Hello and welcome to Say a Little Prayer Nigeria. My name is Sharon Tanko and I am your host. A common question every individual has asked himself at one point in time is who am I? The second most common question being who do I want to be? These two questions are what this season is all about. Together with the Holy Ghost and by the grace of God, we will explore who we are and our capacity to fulfill who that is. Now, we already know that we as believers have been called to love. But what does God say in us that he would have this unwavering expectation of us? I do hope that you take the time to listen this season and that as you do, that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. Listen and be blessed. Good evening and thank you for joining me to fellowship with our Father once again. Your commitment to God is greatly appreciated. As you know, this season we've been trying to have a much firmer grasp on who we believers are because for the most part of our lives, past, present and future, it is a question that would be a constant recurrence within us. And I believe and I do know for a fact that if there is no firm foundation on this knowledge, this question in particular can throw us off our course in life. Why? Because it reveals an uncertainty. And uncertainty breeds a double mind. And a double-minded man, a man with no base, cannot possibly stand firm. Just a little wind, just a tiny storm, and he will crumble. And that is why God wants us to focus on this now. To clear the air, to gain a solid foundation on exactly who we are. So that there is no confusion. So that when the devil attempts to plant an uncertainty in our heads, with this question, we have our answer. We don't need to stress or be worried because we will know. We will know exactly who we are and what our capacity is on this earth and in the heavens above. Now, shall we say a little prayer? Heavenly Father, let me be a perfect vessel for you. Convey your words through me and let those that you have prepared for this message grasp it and run with it. Let it be a flame in their hearts. Let it be an assurance in their spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, our focus was on the loved man. We read through the first five verses of the second chapter of Ephesians. And I spent a few minutes talking on the separation that exists between the world and the church there are two governments two kingdoms the world and the church the world is a kingdom governed by the devil the one who is referred to as the spirit of the air he is in control of the heavenlies the heavenlies that's something that i would explain later and then there is the church a kingdom that is governed by god god the father god the son god the holy spirit the holy trinity now, both kingdoms exist 
in both the physical and the supernatural, the spiritual realm. And I will explain it in a way that you can understand. Men and spirits make up this kingdom. See, apart from God and angels, principalities and powers, we still have the physical man and the spiritual man. Those with living spirits and those with dead spirits, you know, the connected and the disconnected spirits. That a spirit is disconnected from God doesn't mean that it is non-existent. It is still there. It's just dead. Like phones and batteries. That your phone is dead doesn't mean that there's no battery in it. It just means that the battery is not charged. It's the same thing with believers and non-believers. There are two kingdoms, two rules, but both of them are governed by the same principles. Satan is incapable of creating anything. He is an angel, a fallen one, but he's still an angel. They don't have the capacity to create. That is something that is especially a gift for man. So Satan, no matter how hard he tries, cannot create a new principle to govern his kingdom. So principles that were created, he perverted. For example, faith. He perverted faith. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He perverted it to fear. Fear is still the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, but in the negative. You fear and you believe that terrible things will happen. And so they happen. Why? Because you had faith in the negative. Obedience, he turned to disobedience. Even the principle of sowing and reaping, he could not change it. So what he does instead is that he makes you plant negative seeds so that you can reap in dismay and despair. But all of that is by the way. What I'm trying to clarify is that there are two kingdoms with two ruling parties. One is God, the other is the devil. God is good, the devil is evil. See, the devil's modus operandi, his mode of operation, is to pervert things. Whatever is good, he converts it to evil. So those who exist in the world kingdom are existing in an atmosphere where nothing is good. Absolutely nothing. So, so those desires, the will, the ambitions that spring from a person or a spirit, both physical and spiritual man, that exist within the world kingdom cannot possibly be good because that kingdom is monitored and governed by a spirit that has absolutely no good in it. Then there is the church kingdom. God's kingdom, which is the exact opposite and is in fact the original version of the counterfeit kingdom of the devil. It is governed by a spirit that has only good in him. Who is so forgiving and merciful that if a person, any person from the world wants in, all they have to do is ask. And that person that asks gets all the rights and privileges that Jesus has, excluding nothing. Why? Because God loves you. He loved you while you were stuck under the devil's thumb. He loves you now that you are with him. He could not love you more now than he did before you surrendered to him because his love is perfect. Do you know that if an unbeliever asks God for something and he believes that God would answer him, even Satan 
cannot stop the answer from manifesting. Whether you believe Jesus died for you or not, if you ask something of him, he will not deny you as long as you trusted him to do it. And the proof of that is salvation. If, because you were an unbeliever, you were not permitted to have faith, to trust God for anything, then no one will be capable of being saved. Because that confession is a confession of faith. God heard you ask for his lordship and he answered. You believed, so you received your answer. See, Abraham wasn't a Christian. He wasn't born again. Neither were Isaac or Jacob, Moses, or Daniel, or even David, the apple of God's eye. Scarier still, John the Baptist was not a Christian. He died before Jesus completed his perfect work. But you know what Jesus did. He went to Abraham's bosom, he redeemed them, he raised them, and then he took them up with him. That is the strength of his love, a love that can defy death. Abraham, Abraham was dead at least a thousand years before Jesus met him at his bosom. It didn't stop Jesus from remembering him, from raising him, from saving him, taking him to paradise. All of them, in fact. Now, if Jesus could remember them and love them like that, don't doubt for one second that he loves you that unreasonably too. God is absolutely, ridiculously biased towards you. It doesn't matter. Nothing you have done matters to him. Just you. My God, I've spent almost all the time on this recap, so let's move on quickly. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, from verse 8 to 10. I'll read. For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved gracious gift of God, not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law, so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God has prepared for us beforehand, taking parts which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. This week's focus is the graced and predestined man. Every believer, every single believer, was saved by grace. Not because of his merits or his own good deed. It is by grace. When Jesus told the rich man that it was easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle, which is a really small gate, for those that don't know, than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, he wasn't shunning riches as some churches would have you believe. If he did that, then he would be slandering God because God is the richest being in existence. What Jesus was saying was that 
you could not buy your way into heaven. You cannot pay for it. Your piety, your virtuousness, your rigidity through life will not get you into heaven. It will not purchase your ticket. It will not. It cannot get you saved. If you feel like it, you can donate all your wealth to a charity. Go ahead and give all your clothes to beggars on the street. Feed the prisoners. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing all of those things, especially if you are led to do them. But they will not get you into heaven. Works don't get you into heaven. Heaven is not a you thing. It is a God thing. If man, if man was capable of working their way into heaven, I am pretty sure that they would not have landed in Abraham's bosom. You can't buy salvation. You cannot work it out. It is a gift given by virtue of compassion and undeserved favor. You use your faith and you confess with a genuine heart and God will have mercy on you. He will show you his sincerity, as the Koreans would say, and save you. Now, what is he saving you from? Judgment and hellfire, but let's deal with judgment. What judgment? Well, everything that you have ever said and done carries weight. Don't forget that words are spirit and eventually they will manifest. And I don't need to know you to know that you did not spend your life as an unbeliever in silence. You let words out into the atmosphere to create an existence for you. And as we have been made to understand, the world kingdom was under the mastership of the devil, a spirit with no good in it. You spoke words into existence that should have never existed. And they want their pound of flesh. God saves you from that judgment. Actions that you executed while you were in sin that have repercussions, temporary and long-lasting, God saves you from that as well. Unless, of course, you choose to embrace the judgment thinking that you deserve it. And honestly, maybe you do. But understand this. In this God kingdom, as a part of his body, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you don't deserve. You don't deserve mercy, so you get it. You don't deserve favor, but you get it. You don't deserve love, but guess what? You get it. Why? It's his kingdom. And his kingdom, his rules. And this is what he wants for you. He wants you to understand that it is not based on you. It's not based on your work. It's not based on your ability. It, this, this is based on him. He says he loves you. So he loves you. He says he forgives you. So he forgives you. The extent of your awfulness is irrelevant. His grace is sufficient. You don't have to work it. You don't have to struggle to be good, to earn your place in his kingdom. You just have to accept the fact that he has made and given you a place in his kingdom. That is why it is called grace. It has nothing to do with your worthiness. Look here. The more undeserving you feel, the more grace follows you. Where darkness abounds, grace abounds much more. So don't struggle for it. 
if you surrender and you let your spirit guide you, the grace will flow. Living in God's kingdom is easier than you would expect if you would just follow the leading. When you let the spirit guide you, you begin to walk your predestined path. A lot of people don't believe in faith. F-A-T-E. But I do. And if you're looking for why, go read the 10th verse again. I was made for a purpose. I was made for a purpose. Same as you. There is an expected end. When we let God lead us, we will arrive at our expected end. We end up exactly where we are meant to be. And it is perfect. Because God is perfect. And it is magnificent. Because God does not do basic And that is something that you should be sure of. He made you perfect and he planned perfection for you. If if you could just let go and trust him, believe what he says, especially what he says about you, because words are spirits and they will always manifest. So this evening, I guess my question to you is who are you? Because I know who you are. And I can tell you. You are graced and fated. Everything good in your life is because of grace. Not because you earned it. But rather in spite of the fact that you did not earn it. You didn't work for it. You don't deserve it. But God thinks that you're worth it. In fact, he's sure that you're worth it. You are worth his mercy. You are worth his forgiveness. You are worth his love and his compassion. And if there is anybody's thoughts that you should even remotely consider as relevant in your life, I would think that God's thoughts would be those thoughts. After all, he is the greatest being in the known and the unknown universe. I think what he thinks should count the most. Because God understands you better than anyone on the face of this planet ever would. He understands you because he made you. Because he knows you. He knows everything that you were. He knows everything that you are. And he knows everything that you will be. And best of all, he is prepared for you. Nothing that you can do will ever catch him off guard. So embrace the grace. Trust his plans. Understand that you exist in faith as long as you let him lead you. So let him lead you. Shall we say a little prayer? Father God, thank you for your grace. Thank you because though it is undeserved, it is very much welcome. I will not shun your grace, Father God. I will not reject your mercy because it will be like rejecting you. And I will never reject you, Father. If you ask of me, I will listen. My spirit is open to you. So please use me, Lord, as you please. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, friends, for staying tuned. I hope this word registered in your spirits and I hope that it takes precedence in your hearts. Until next Tuesday by 8 p.m., the Lord bless you.
Good night. My name is Sharon Tanko and I hope you were blessed by this sermon and that it opened your heart to new knowledge from our Father. For those of you who haven't taken that vital step in accepting Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, but would like to do so now, please say this prayer with me. Dear Lord, I know that you went to the cross and died for me. I know that on the third day you rose. I know you did this because you love me. You showed me a deeper love, a love that goes beyond dying and into overcoming death. And now, knowing this, I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Come into my life today, sweet Lord, so that I may be one with the Father. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your forgiveness. And I thank you for this great love. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you just said that prayer with me, thank you and welcome to the kingdom of God. My brother, my sister, God will have his way with you. Now, if you would like to reach out to me, feel free to do so at Say A Little Prayer Nigeria. That is Say A Little Prayer NG both on Instagram and on Facebook. I would love to share and pray with you. If you want to learn more beyond the podcast, you can visit my pastor, Reverend Delison Tanko, both on Facebook and on YouTube. His, his preaching is easy to follow and it's easier still to grasp and have a deeper, more precise understanding of our Heavenly Father. If this podcast has inspired you and you feel the need to sow a seed into it, you can give an offering at 0140-3236-59. That is 0140-3236-59, Guaranteed Trust Bank. Or you can give at 151-1321-721. That is 151-1321-721 at Access Bank. God bless you as you give. God bless you as you give. Now, don't forget to say a little prayer for you and your loved ones. Thank you and stay blessed.